Turn right. Re-re-re-recalculating. Man, this goofy bitch don't know where she's going. From the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Boys. Legendary Lost Boys. This is Lost Boys. We call them the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. I know we're not lost. Oh, you knew that yesterday, too. We're lost, but we're making good time. This is the way, guys. I can feel it. And now, the Lost Boys Podcast proudly presents... Welcome, everybody. This is Hip Hop History 101, where we dive deep into the culture of hip hop from where it's been to where it's going and how it got there. Tonight, we're finishing up our year by year uh, breakdown and examining the last few years of the 90s, which some say was the pinnacle. An ending spot for great hip-hop. And you're not too far off. I don't know. That's kind of my opinion, too. I don't know. But I'm one of your hosts, Ghost T, and joining me, as always, fellow, I believe the end of the 90s was the greatest time of hip-hop ever. Yes, okay. Yeah. Right, I'm with it. <laughs> I'm in that camp, too. I'm with it. Going through some of this, and I've still been listening through like the year-by-year uh, Spotify just playlist thing, because they have hip-hop for 1998, or blah, blah, blah. Uh, listening through some of that, oh, so much nostalgia! It's crazy, man. Just hearing some of these tracks again. Yeah, Going the memories back flood back. You get a lot of research in this week. I did. I kind of maybe went a little too deep on some of this stuff, oh, man. Shit. I got lost. All right, all right, good. Because I just have highlights in the head headlines. So, uh, if you could fill in gaps, that's perfect. All right. Well, let me go right into it then with 1995, which I'm just subtitling here. And this was from my perspective on how I was viewing hip-hop for sure, but I think it was taking over the industry too. But I think this was the year of the Woo. Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> because Woo, all right, let me just list real quick. And I'm going to put these two in there too. Although they were, oh, 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 never mind, the one. Because it was late 94, but Method Man to Cow came out in November of 94. So that was practically 95. Put it in 95. But you also had Old Dirty Bastards, Return to the 36 Chambers. You had Raekwon's Only Built for Cuban Links. And you had the genius Liquid Swords. The Jizza Liquid Swords. And those albums just dominated my freaking stereo, that's for sure. And, uh... I saw I dubbed 95 the year of woo for sure. But there was a lot of shit going on. There was a lot of shit going on. What are uh, some other notable stuff you have over there? All right. So I want to take a slight step back, um, you know, into the 90s that we covered last week. Okay. Um, So I didn't know that Master P actually, he had moved from New Orleans to the Bay Area. Oh shit! Um, he was a local. After yeah, so he um, I, I it was after his brother was murdered, I believe. He moved to the Bay Area, a city called Richmond, just outside of Oakland here. Okay, and he started what was called a No Limit Record Shop in Richmond, California. <laughs> it was a record and, shop. Yes. So this okay, was in ninety three. Okay. Okay. And. Dude, I I was like, what? Because I always knew Master P as you know New Orleans. Sure, yeah, down south. Right. So he got his, um, and I listened to two, he had two albums in, it was like 91 and 94. 
And that was when he was in the Bay. And if you listen to him, dude, they are so, they sound like Bay Area. He sounds like a Bay Area rapper. Wow. It's great, like the beats and everything. Um, At at that time, they were calling Bay Area rap like mobbing music. And so that's why Master P was like really into cars and shit too. So it was like uh, music that you play with like your windows down and you were mobbing with your boys in your car. Daddy mobbing. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and in 95 is when Master P officially relocated No Limit to New Orleans, Louisiana. That is freaking wild, bro. Yeah, and he took a couple California people with him. Um, I, I wasn't too familiar with the names of these uh, West Coast guys, but it was um, okay. true member Big Ed, King George, uh, and Callie G. Those were like his West Coast guys that he brought over. And then he signed that year Mystical, uh, Mia X, Kane and Abel, and Mr. Servon. Okay. All right. Crazy. Some Master P history you probably did not know. I certainly didn't know. None about Dude, Yeah. A record shop. I was like, what? In California? Like, am I reading this right? That's crazy, dude. He was more of a, wasn't he more the entrepreneur too? He was, and he was actually, I think he was considered one of the smarter of, um, of the entrepreneurs because he was able to like lock down his, uh, cause I think he, they had their records distributed by somebody else when they were in, um, Louisiana, but he kept all like ownership rights over no limit stuff. Like all he, so he, they owned all the songs and everything. Ah, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah. So he protected his, his people, you know? The Puffy of No Limits. Perhaps. It was Priority Records that was doing their uh, distribution, yeah. To maintain ownership of Master Recordings in the recording studio. That sounds funny. Were you you listening to any Master P back in 95? Not in 95. I didn't listen to him until like 98, I think. You got into Master P though or no? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, wow. Uh, I kind of got into No Limit when uh, Snoop Dogg um, made the jump. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. As we talked last week, too. Yeah, Snoop Dogg was all over. Almost every record label I think he was signed to, at least for some time. And put out at least a record. Yep. Man, that's, that's, that's wild, bro. Um, down south. Speaking of, we talked a little bit about this, but I had this noted that that was when Outcast uh, won the Source Award for Best New Artist, and uh, everyone booed him when he went on stage. And uh, he said, "All right, well, listen up, motherfuckers. The South got something to say, so pay attention." Or something along those lines. Probably uh, that was exactly it. Verbatim. That was exactly it. Verbatim. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. First of all, you know what I'm saying. We want to thank God, just, you know what I'm saying, dead serious, because if it weren't for him, you know what I'm saying, we wouldn't be here. But it's like this, though. I'm tired of folks, you know what I'm saying? The closed-minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and don't nobody want to hear it, but it's like this, the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Yeah. And uh, he helped the award and flipped everybody off. It was wild. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I don't know, but that, that caused some controversy, I guess, at the time. Where um, people were getting, why are people getting upset though? I don't understand. Because so, they just didn't want the hip hop well, to move away from New York or something along those lines. No, what what the tension grew from was this was actually considered possibly the the birth of the Coastal Wars. Here was this Source Awards ninety five. 
And what happened was Suge Knight accepted an award for best soundtrack. And when mm-hmm. he went on stage, he said, um, if, you know, it was something along these lines. I don't have the exact quote in front of me right now, but it was like, uh, if you guys want to make music without your producer, like jumping in the song or being in all of your music videos, come sign with Death Row. And it was like kind of a, a shot at uh, P. Diddy. First of all, I'd like to thank God. Second of all, I'd like to thank my whole entire Death Row family on both sides. You know what I'm saying? And one other thing I'd like to say. Any artist out there want to be an artist and want to stay a star and don't want to, and want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing, come to Death Row. So P. Diddy later got on stage and then said something about um, what's all this East Coast, West Coast stuff. Um, and um, he had like, you know, made some comments like, hey, I was the guy he was talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Check it. Check this out. I'm the executive producer that a comment was made about a little bit earlier. But con- check this out. Contrary to what other people may feel, I would like to say that I'm very proud of Dr. Dre, of Death Row, and Shook Knight for their accomplishments. You know what I'm saying? I'm a positive black man, and I make bu- music to bring us together, not to separate us, and all this east and west that need to stop. So give it up for everybody from the east and the west that won tonight. One love. And then, so everyone was, like, super tense about it, and everyone was, like, kind of, like, east, west, east, west, like, at this event. And then when Outcast won, they said, the south got something to say, and everyone was like, what the uh, fuck, you yeah. know? So they were kind of uh, like... <laughs> yeah, I gotta find a copy of this whole yeah. award show because this sounds monumental and hip hop. It, it sounds like a very pivotal um, yes. source awards for sure. I was reading a lot about it today. That is wild. Okay. Um, I don't know what else was going on here. Um, oh, I'm going to put out the, the Friday. The movie came out. I would call this a hip hop movie for sure. Figuring 100%. Ice Cube was kind of the. Uh, main star of the movie but uh eventually became a cult classic but i think this was the first time and i and living through these times we uh knew of the you know beef nwa ice cube dre and all this stuff i think this was the first time that dre and ice cube sort of worked together again i'm probably wrong here correct me if i am but keep the heads ringing don't yeah yep yep was on the soundtrack and at the time we were like me and my friends are kind of like oh shit all right ice cube and dre getting back together what's going on here we were all hype about that i remember that vaguely but it happened for sure was that one of the first yeah. times they started kind of getting back together it Do is we- and okay. it was actually um it was actually kind of in response to in that year 90 i think it was 95 yeah mm-hmm. that was the year that easy e passed away oh yeah 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 yep i got so that so they kind of when easy e got sick i think it was when they all started to squash their shit and were like hey why the fuck are we mad at each other you know like one of our boys is dying and we're what like do we want to die mad that's for so i dig that Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of covered. They have like a scene in the movie, um, straight with out of Dre? Compton. Oh, okay. I'm almost positive with Dre and Friday. Cube. They kind of, they kind of like uh, talk about. I think they're like at Easy E's bedside, and they're kind of like, "What the fuck are we doing, man?" You know? Yeah, it's not worth this shit. Yeah, 
Go watch the movie. I got to rewatch it. So, R.I.P. Yeah, Easy E. 95. 95, March 20th, age 31. Died of crazy AIDS, HIV AIDS. Fucking all them hoes, dude. Eh, it happens, man, when you're living that life. R.I.P., bro. Too many R.I.P.s. We've talked about this. Very Going depressing. into the 90s, you run into a whole bunch here. Oh, it just gets worse and worse. Uh, the only other big notable event I had or moment was the uh, Tupac signing with Death Row. And we did kind of talk about this a little bit last uh, week, too, or two weeks ago, that uh, this was when Suge but bailed him out. So that he could get yeah. him on the label, kind of blackmailed him. There was probably more shit going on behind the scenes that we'll never know. But, um, yeah, paid for his bail to get him out of jail off of that uh, assault charge or whatever it was. The, um, yeah. Oh, what so was the charge? He was fucking. It was sexual assault. Sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the day before he got charged with that sexual, sexual, sexual assault charge, he that was the day he was shot at that New York studio. Oh, and that was also kind of like a precursor to like um, Pac had thought it was maybe um, Biggie in his camp. And so that was like 93 or something like that. Okay. Um, But yeah, dude, the the bond that uh, Suge posted was one point four million dollars. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. That's crazy. Chump changed to him, though, at that point. He was his empire was already starting to flourish. And then, yeah, he was. Tupac living on that vanilla ice money, vanilla dude. Ice money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy shit, bro. Good goddamn. Um, all right, you got any other good moments, big moments, events, anything like that from '95? What else was going on? What, what did I miss? Okay, so the- my notes are a little different this week. I didn't go necessarily year by year because it seemed like it was a lot of the action was kind of just lumped from '95 to '99. If you know what I mean. Okay. So, uh, all of the underground hip hop labels start, almost all of them started in 95, and I didn't know this. Ooh. Okay. So, um, in 95, there was like a big, uh, change of hip hop style. And like we kind of talked about backpack rap. Yeah. Um, in the early 90s. So, there was a whole bunch of people. Um, I'll start with uh, the Bay Area. They had Hieroglyphics, and Hieroglyphics was like an Oakland collective of MCs mm-hmm. that started a hip-hop label. It was called Hieroglyphics Imperium uh, Recording. Oh, okay. And it was a way for them to just like publish and, and push their own music, right? They didn't sign any big... This is the first, like... Um, I guess group of uh, hip hop artists that weren't um, looking to get record deals, right? They were looking to do it themselves. And okay, I guess that's yeah. why they call them independent rappers nowadays. Um, so you had hieroglyphics coming out of the Bay Area, and um, it was led by Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Oh yeah, I don't know if you know this name. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Ice Cube's okay. what cousin? Ice Brother? Cube's cousin. Yeah. Cousin. Yep. So. Um, Deltron, bro. Yeah, that's Deltron that was my intro to Del. Dan yeah. the Automator. Yup, 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 yup. That's what led me to Handsome Boy Modeling School. Yep, the Octagon too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Hieroglyphics coming out of the Bay Area in '95, they start their record label, and then Living Legends starts in the Bay, and um, also in '95, 
and they're a west coast underground hip-hop label as well they start their own label living legends and then they end up relocating to uh southern california so la they go to la because they had members from the bay area and la and so those are the two big west coast um underground hip-hop labels that were on the rise and um one thing from hieroglyphics you may have heard uh and it's like a really famous track in hip-hop um it's called 93 till infinity you ever heard this song ever okay so that Soul was of, done by a, a subgroup yes so souls of mischief um is a subgroup of hieroglyphics they made up half Love of hieroglyphics it. and um 93 till infinity it is like is like quoted in so many hip-hop songs i quoted that once. Did yeah. you really? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I said that a nice. couple rounds. To me, hip hop is pretty much all I got. From '93 till infinity's my time frame. The rock, the game has changed a lot. From b boys popping, locking in socks to. Dude, Glocks I have my my hip hop notes listed today as '95 till infinity. <laughs> Um, oh that's dope i love it but uh <laughs> so that one actually came out in 93 but that's what led them to make hieroglyphics imperium so they wanted to do their own music okay. and um good shit i mean i've seen a lot of songs that use like a similar title too so i've always been like damn dude like oakland you know souls of mischief getting fucking quoted by so many hip-hop and i think uh eminem gave him a big shout out too on his speech I'm just thanking all the artists and everybody. <laughs> he, everybody. He said hieroglyphics Pookie. and souls of mischief. Uh, yeah, well, there's no doubt about it, man. I mean that yeah. that song for sure. I don't know much of other souls of mischief or hieroglyphics, to be honest. But I mean that song hits on another level, bro. Just the the beat and the flows are just so perfect and absolutely backpack rap. Yeah, backpack for sure. Perfectly that was like so underground too. Backpack, I love it. Yep. So, um, so we had those two on the rise and, um, then we had something coming out of, uh, Minnesota, dude, actually Minneapolis. Um, oh, okay. have you ever heard of stone throw or not stone throw? So, sorry. Rhyme Sayers entertainment. It's some what collaboration with some, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard of it. I'm not sure okay, who the, so, who's in the collective though, off the top of my head. Rhyme Sayers was started by uh, like a- Slug, Ant, Sab the Artist, and Sadiq. And Slug and Ant are also better known as Atmosphere. Okay, yep, yep, yep. So they were huge coming out of a place that people probably didn't know hip-hop was popular. But Minneapolis, Minnesota, they put it on the map, dude. And... um kind of a different area for hip-hop and they 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 uh signed some of my favorite artists like one of them brother ali i love brother ali he's from rhyme sayers yeah i'm looking for brother ali uh, you ever listen to brother ali i mean i might have heard it but you'll you, have to, you you'll have like to hit me up with some tracks bro you'll yeah you would probably really like him actually to get me started evidence uh evidence uh id and abilities Aesop Rock. Aesop Rock, yep. Aesop Rock's crazy. He's like, uh, his raps are like, you're tripping on mushrooms or acid. Yeah, uh, yeah. okay, so Rhyme Sayers, dude, that was also 95. Yeah, dude, they got some, um, they put out some crazy good underground hip-hop uh, in like the early 2000s that uh, is definitely worth a revisit. You ever listen to Atmosphere? 
I've heard some atmosphere. Some atmosphere. Nothing I could, okay. nothing I could quote. I love I love uh, Slug from Atmosphere. He's on. Um, he is he, he the did MC? this collab. What's that? He's the MC. Yeah, and it's the producer. So Slug, he did this other subgroup later down. It's like in the 2000s, but he uh, collaborated with this guy named Murs from the Living Legends, who I just spoke about and started so, yes. in 95. Okay. Yeah. So they did a group called Felt, and I love their shit, dude. Um, they put out like, I think, three or four albums, but their second album, um, I think it's Tribute to Christina Ricci. It's so oh, good. hilarious. Felt too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love the alternate hip hop. Yeah, you would probably like this uh, lyric. Yeah, that's yo. Yeah, seriously, send me some links of uh, the best of choices. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, for those sure. Intro those intro jaunts so that I can get in there. All right. So the the uh, last um, thing for underground hip hop that I had put down was the rise. I kind of spoiled it a little bit ago, but was the rise of. Uh, uh, stone throws records so that also started in 95 so 95 all of these underground hip-hop labels kind of just like set their roots and yeah like, i was gonna say that feels like later for sure yeah because most of these most of these uh labels didn't really start releasing till like 97 98 okay so like so they were all into the 90s they, yeah. yeah they were like kind of like found their membership and like the music that they were gonna release and started the work from here from this point interesting okay so um stones throw dude stones throw is a huge one uh, they they kind of transcended into like uh mainstream in my opinion a little bit more than the others started by this guy named uh peanut butter wolf and um he ended up signing Madlib. Madlib didn't like release until like the later 90s under the uh label, but his first um group was signed by Rhymes or Stone Throw Records. It was called Loot Pack. And I think I know I mentioned this group to you when we did our first episode, yeah. I believe. I brought up Loot Pack. And um dude, early Madlib is is so good. Like that Loot Pack album, um yeah, sound pieces. Uh, sound pieces. The antidote is the name of the album. Okay, that's some good shit. Like nine. Yeah, so that came. Yeah, it came. Came out. Yeah, that's so. Madlib's first appearance is like ninety nine, pretty much for us. Oh, but I, what I didn't realize was that Madlib had done some beats for a West Coast group early in the nineties and ninety three. Uh, a group called the Alcoholics. Okay. Okay. Or the licks. If you you probably heard it was like a exhibit. You know, exhibit. Yeah, exhibit did some shit. Yeah. Yeah, I used to freestyle some of the alcoholic tracks. Yeah, I love that track. Uh, damn. Alcoholic got the beat that make you go damn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know that Madlib produced beats for them in '93. I didn't realize either. I'm trying to look and see what tracks it is. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if he's credited as Madlib or if he went by a different name. Flipped like a Quasimodo type of name on it, on the industry. Because he has so many. He's like MF Doom where he has like 20 names, you know? I know. The one Mad... Like the, Quasimodo. And, one track on Mad Villain where... Uh, uh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the grand debut, grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Bar and Grill Cafe Lounge on the Water. Live <laughs> with the beats, we have the one and only Mad Lib. We got King Ghidorah on the mix. Uh, yesterday's new quintet is here, Victor Vaughn, the Quasimodo over there, and I'm your host, the super villain. So he just throws everybody in there, and it's all them too. That's it. It's just them. yeah, it's it. Yeah, <laughs> so great. You gotta love it. Although he does say Big Hookie and Baba from the Laundry Man. I don't know if that's them or not. <laughs> it probably is, dude. It's probably what they called each other. <laughs> You're probably fucking right, dude. Yeah. <laughs> those those two both had such deep cuts. So funny. Uh, amazing. Yeah. The, the the samples that Madlib found for some of this shit is insane like he, who could ever find this like a little snippet like the how are you doing or whatever in one of the tracks is just like from some random show from like the 50s or something and it's just like throwaway little part and it's just little things like that and stuff from old commercials and just wild foraging for those samples and then uh, crafting them together so beautifully that's one thing that the art that I love, just like, yeah, piecing together the puzzle, finding all these random shit and seeing how you can make it fit. It's fun. Madlib is a fucking pro and a half. Yeah, so, he's uh, a genius yeah. when it comes to that stuff. So, yeah, I need some links to that shit. You're going to have to write down all these links, bro. I need a lot of links. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, my list is fucking up there, too. Jesus. It's crazy. Uh, all right, well, for, for 95, let me just highlight, because I, I wasn't doing this any of the other years, so as uh, the last show where we're doing the year-by-year th- year thing, I'll finally do something that makes sense. But um, the singles, I put the top hip-hop singles down. I was looking through those, and as I was going through these years and looking at the singles, it did kind of frame how the year was at least played out on like an MTV level. Um, you had, at least for 95, Gangsta's Paradise, Coolio. Um, you had Keep Your Heads Ringing, we were talking about Dr. Dre. But then you could see, like, some of the East Coast stuff creeping in. One More Chance by Biggie. I'll Be There For You by Method Man, which was a great fucking track. Um, I Got Five On It by The Loonies was making uh, making uh, the charts, actually. Um... How High? Wait, was it How High that came out? Was How High in 95? Was that the song in 95? Oh. It feels later. But yeah, well, yeah, that first track. The movie I, didn't come till later in 95. Right? Like, yeah, it was, it was like 98 or 99, or something. I think. Something. Yeah. It feels like it, if not 2000 almost. But, uh, so that, yeah, so that's right, because I was so hyped, because Red Man, Red Man was like my favorite. Woo was coming up. This was the year of the Woo. I was so ingrained in Woo in 95. It's crazy. With, with all those releases coming out, fucking Liquid Swords was in such rotation, and the old DB's album was earlier in the year. It was just, it was like crazy. It was like they seriously were taking over. You had them coming out mm-hmm. every like couple months. It was a new Woo album, practically. Because you looked at those first Woo albums, and it was like a new Woo album. Because I think that those first, uh, up until Liquid Swords, maybe Ghostface, Iron Man... But I think that was all like that initial batch of like Riz's material that he had like stockpiled for the most part. I'm sure a lot of original stuff was thrown in there, but you and you can hear it like the sound is sort of similar on on most of those albums. Um, and then from there on, it kind of changed a little bit. 
but uh i don't know i was just in heaven at that time and it was it was uh magical sort of <laughs> you just had like your favorite group dropping an album every couple months it was it was it was really good it was a really good year i liked it that was oh no all right the the 96. They, they were so strong as a group and as solo artists was was something different at that time absolutely you didn't see that anywhere where no just the way and they mentioned this a little bit on the show and i think i talked about a little bit how rizza structured all their solo artist deals and stuff really before they were even really hitting which is kind of crazy how that could possibly even happen but um so you had yeah all these artists it was still this collective yeah like you said they, they were so cohesive as a group but doing their solo things, but you still were like part of the group. I don't know. They were really creating something new and special in hip hop for sure. Loved them, wild. dude. Fucking wild, man. And, and like you were saying, with like the, the year before too, the um, sampling of the like kung fu films and samurai films because like uh, Liquid Sword samples from uh, one oh my of my God. favorite films is called Shogun Assassin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, when you hear, when I heard that in a song, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I love that movie, you know? And I, I never expected to hear it in a hip-hop song. Yeah, and I was the reverse. So, and in fact, not until recently. But, um, so it must be just wild hearing it. You've grown up watching this or whatever. You know it yeah. so well. And then, yeah, hearing it in a song is uh, just one of those special things. Because I always do the reverse. I just started with all the hip-hop, and then I go and watch the movie, and I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe that's where that came from. Yeah, dig for I the know. sample, dude. Yup, 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 yup. It's a fun thing, man. I'm telling you, you get these obscure, weird little samples. It's just it's so fun. All right, moving on to 96, which I call the year of uh, Tupac, for a couple reasons, obviously. But even prior to the main Tupac story, he was blowing up like crazy. But yeah, you got more info on uh, 96 specifically? Um, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I had for 96. But I guess I got one more for 96, I believe. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, so... A group was initially formed in a place that we're also not used to having hip-hop come from. This is a new spot for it. Uh, D12. So, the Dirty Dozen. E12. Detroit. From Detroit. Yeah. So, these boys. uh, In 96, they were formed by Proof. Okay. So, Proof, Bazaar, The Brigade, Mr. Porter, uh, Kuniva, and Bugs. So that was the initial uh, D12. And um, in 97, I guess, is when they like first released their EP. But yeah, the formation of the group was in 96. Official. What they were just doing out of uh, what to do, Mark Bass's studio, right? Just releasing. Yeah, and I think here here. Uh, the biggest, uh, like their biggest uh, presence was live local shows. So like in 96, they were like really doing a lot of shit around uh detroit and so obviously we've uh as hip-hop fans we've seen eight mile but like that was like the scene for them right it was like uh 
freestyle yeah, battles show, freestyle ciphers yep. all that shit just uh still battling at the thing um yeah eminem was on the rise because he was with him uh, start, like right? eminem's he... appearance with d12 he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. with him in the start. No, he actually. So Eminem didn't join the group until one of the members named Bugs got uh, killed in 1999. Oh, get the fuck out of here! Yeah. So this guy Bugs, he was like, uh, I guess he was the most um, like popular of the group, and okay. he had the most promise. And I, I, I believe he won a bunch of uh, freestyle battles like in the same year, and he had got a bunch of notice. And uh, yeah, he ended up getting killed and uh, shot and killed in March or May 21st, 1999. And it was then said Eminem, uh, Eminem volunteered to replace Bugs. Dang, okay. But he was still so with was the 99. crew though, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't he, know the whole... He rolled with them for sure. Yeah, okay. I think they were kind of like on their rise through Detroit hip hop, like together as like friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. So unofficially together. And so he joined in 99. Dang, crazy shit, man. Big up Bizarre, bro. I like Bizarre. He's, he's fucking wild, bro. He is. He's got that, like, old DB type of craziness. But a little crazier, even. A little cra- His lyrics are insane. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, 96. Also, Snoop and his bodyguard were acquitted of uh, murder. This was the whole murder was the case thing finally resolved. Did Shook help out with this thing too? The acquittal? I don't know. I didn't see it. I don't think so, dude. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. But I think he just threw all the heat on his uh, bodyguard, but I guess he got acquitted too, so the evidence must not have been strong enough. Isn't there a video of it or something? When I was clicking through shit, it looked like I saw some stills, but uh, I think there might be a video of like blasting shots somewhere. <laughs> Maybe you couldn't tell it where the like shots landed. Footage of him doing got, it, and then you it got was something, bro. I swear, I saw some still, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Crazy. Okay, maybe Shook did handle it. <laughs> <laughs> did the jury survive? Do we have any information on the jury members? Something yeah. must have happened there. Um, and uh, we didn't totally mention it, but. 96, Tupac was killed. September yep. 7th in Las Vegas. Going to a Mike Tyson fight. After a Mike Tyson After fight. After the Mike Tyson fight. Riding with his boy. The center of a lot of these things going on around this time, Mr. Knight. Interestingly enough. Was Knight injured? He had some, like, uh, he was not. I think he did get shot. I think he did, yeah. Yeah, R.I.P., uh, dude. Changed what a, some shit, man. I changed some shit. It's crazy. I guess I didn't realize, you know, back then that Tupac was only with Suge for a fucking year until he yeah. died. No, this this whole thing is is crazy that that it happened so fast between. It really did. It's like two years. Yeah, exactly. And it's it felt like this war that was going on for ages. You know, when you were living through it. <laughs> Kind yeah, of weird, to me, as a child, it felt like it was it engulfed the entire 90s. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can barely change my mind even right now looking at the facts. Yeah, that this might be youth. Mandela effect shit, dude. <laughs> but yeah, Biggie and Tupac were really only good big for like two two years. It's crazy. 
Tupac maybe three years. I'll give him. But it wasn't that much yeah. time, to be honest. Um, now, due to the, the due to his death, he definitely dominated uh, the charts. Uh, that's why I call '96 the year of Tupac. Um, Machiavelli came out. Was that after? That was after the fact, right? '97, oh, yeah. yeah. November. Uh, nah, that's in '96. November. Did it come out? Like, it was November '96 was basically. Uh, that was my my information. I don't know. Machiavelli. November yeah, no, I think you're right. Cause I, uh, cause I think there was like some infighting in. Um, no, I think there was a bunch of infighting in Death Row in like the end of '95 and into '96, because like Dog Pound had released their first album in '95. Um, okay. And and that was a pretty big album, and also fueled part of the Coastal Wars too with the song uh, "New York, New York." Ah, uh, yes, 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 certainly. Did. So, I even read that uh, the set of that music video got shot up, like Jeez. someone did a drive-by shooting at that music video set. That's crazy, bro. I know it was. It was. So, it was heated, man. It really was. It, it was. was a lot of tension. Seriously. Crazy. So, um, don't believe it, but it's true, right? You could feel it. So I think like after the dog pound had that success and, and another thing people may not know either or think about is that um, death row was uh, the members were like half crips, half bloods. Right. So not everyone got along in death row because like the the dog pound gangsters and Snoop Dogg, they were they were crips. And then you had uh, Tupac. You had, um, like, I think Lady of Rage and uh, Suge Knight. Those were, like, like the big bloods of the group. And so you had the two opposing gangs in L.A. in one record label. So that there was a lot of problems in between those, those groups. Yeah, and there's a lot of tension between oh. those groups. And I remember hearing that um, because of that tension, that's why Dr. Dre started to slowly pull out of Death Row at this time, even though he's like accredited as being like the main producer on a lot of the albums during this time, especially like Tupac's all eyes on me. Um, yeah. It was actually Great Daz album. Dillinger that did most of the beats for all eyes on me. Wow. And he's a dog pound. Yeah. So get the fuck out of Dre here. was, yeah. So Dre was kind of pulling out because he was like sick of all the infighting and the sick of like all the violent tactics that Shug Knight was pulling. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He was just a he music guy. He got caught in mm-hmm. the shit when he was getting out of NW. Yeah, it was he sold his soul to the devil, so to speak, and then you know yep. he finally realized nah, I gotta get the fuck out of this. Yeah, so he and he, he made, got out what like ninety seven and made after yeah. that. It, it's it's amazing and a testament to him that he did get out unscathed. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't really on that gangster shit like everybody else was. He was kinda doing his nah. own thing. Yeah. He was for a work sure. ethic for guy. Sure. Nah, yeah, and and, and absolutely. He's just about the music, so he's just not trying to hack here, you know what I mean? I think he was the the first guy, too, to, like, when he left Death Row, he said, Gangster Rap is dead. Oh, okay. And it was just kind of like, everyone was, was like, what? The nail like, on what that the coffin? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Change it to a more positive outlook, folks. Put on a backpack. You'll be better off. Your mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they used to make fun of us, Ghost. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Rappers they shit. used to say backpackers <laughs> was a bad thing. Eh, fuck. Yeah, right? 
Um, <laughs> singles wise, we had California Love come out, Tupac. How do you want it? Those were the big Tupac jams. Bone was making their way in the charts with Crossroads. That's a great Bone song. Ooh, that so is Crossroads, Crossroads, Crossroads. Um, Buster Rhymes was was popping up a little more. Wooha, you all in check? Ooh-ha. And uh, oh, Elevators, Outcast, classic, Outcast jam. Man, I'm telling those first three albums so good. Um. Oh, and the Fuji's had their Fuji law, so they were breaking out in the scene. Wait, let me just, all right, this is, again, this is my personal list, but these albums here were, all came out, and I find this crazy, because in, in my mind, these are all top five, bro. There's no doubt about it. But you got Tupac, All Eyes on Me. Fuji's, The Score. Cool Keith, Dr. Octagon Colleges. Mm-hmm. Too Short, Getting It. Is that one any good? Yeah. You like getting it? Came out in 95, mm-hmm. bro. 96, I mean. Um, Helter Skelter. I think those Skelter. were the best years for it's, it's, uh, Too Short. 90s. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, all right. even though he started early in the 80s, I, I just loved his shit in the 90s. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm shocked, like like we talked about in a few episodes back, I'm shocked he was doing his thing so early. Because, yeah. yeah, being in the 90s, that's when I heard of him. And I just, you know, he was doing his thing. All the way, the way back to eighty three, but it's crazy, though. It's crazy. Um, albums. Uh, Lost Boys, Legal Drug Money came out in ninety six. Um, for what it's worth, Jay Z, Reasonable Doubt, which actually is a pretty decent album, came out in ninety six. De La Soul, Stakes Is High, one of my favorite De La albums. Nas's second album, It Was Written, came out. Um, you had Outcast, Atlians, of course. The Roots came out with Illadelf Half Life, which, bro, I, I discovered The Roots shortly before this album came out, and I remember waiting for that release date, and I was not disappointed. It was so great. Um, and uh, to top off the Wu Tang thing from '95, Ghostface Iron Man did come out in '96. Oh, Red Man, Muddy Waters too. That was a great Red Man album. I don't know, but that was a wild fucking year. Again, for sure. I had the woo in 95, just fulfilling my life. And then all of this was thrown at me in 96. Orgasms, bro. That's all I know. Orgasms. It was so great. (laughs) What a year. That's a tough one to top, to be honest. Right. Is it possible? I don't think it has it ever topped that. It's not possible. Because I'm moving into 97. And I wasn't as happy with 97, to be honest. Do you say anything specific 97-wise that you can uh, talk about? It's not just because of Biggie, but music-wise. I don't know. What do, what do you got? Anything? We well, got what? Wu-Tang Forever? Wu-Tang Forever came out. The double album. Um, not even I was a big one of my favorites, so to be honest. It was all right. Uh, Operation Doomsday. Doomsday. Wait, that didn't come out in 97, did it? Did it not? I think it did. I think that was 99. Oh, wait, no, no. 99? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was 99. Maybe not 99. Maybe 98, if anything? No, I think you're right. It is 99. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Um, There were some... All right, I will say, there were a couple good albums that came out. 
Um, what I had listed, Capone and Noriega, War Report. Is this on your radar at all? No. I All right, put this one on your list if you can. Okay. CNN, Capone and Noriega. But War Report is such a, like, it's such a fucking banging album for your car, blasting it in your car. War That's Report. always how okay. I looked at that. That was, like, my favorite to just blast in the car. Um... Wait, 97? Oh, okay. Uh, Big uh, Will Smith, Big Willie style, came out. (laughs) Will Smith's in the news. I'm sorry. I just want to throw any Will Smith thing in there lately. Not for, I wish it was for hip hop reasons. This is not for that right now. Might be a Big Willie style that he's involved in. Getting jiggy with it, perhaps. (laughs) He might be. He might be. I don't know. Um, EPMD got back together in 97 with um, a Back in Business album, which wasn't bad at all. It had good Redman tracks on there, too. Um, Rock Him. This was a comeback year, actually. Rock Him came out with the 18th letter. So he, he had a big hiatus, but this was his first album back in a, in a, in a long while. And everyone was hyped for that. That has some good tracks on it. And uh, did you... Okay, is this on your radar? Camp Low at all? Mm-mm. No. They came out with this album, Uptown Saturday Night. You might have heard their track. Um, uh, the name sounds familiar. Camp Low. I know. I've Relax yourself and let the sugar low float. Coolie, coolie high or whatever. Coolie, I got you. Why? You need to come inside and check low. Relax yourself and let the sugar low flow. And they had these real fast kind of rap styles. More like R&B-ish, to be honest. And they had the other song, Lucini, which was their other popular hit. But Coolie High and Lucini are, are the two songs I would tell you to check out for uh, Camp Low. Because those are were pretty fucking big hits. I remember when that album came out, it was pretty hot. Um, but the disappointing aspects of 97, and I discovered this mostly again, listening through this Spotify hip hop channel. Right. And it made me remember that the rise of shit. I don't bad, like. Yes. Bad yeah. boy was taking off and taking over everything. And I was not, I didn't like it then. And I didn't like re-listening to it. In fact, because of, and this is something I agree with Suge on, unfortunately, because of Puffy on the fucking um, Biggie uh, Life After Death album, I don't even really like, I mean, there's some tracks on that album, but I'm not looking at that as a top five. That's not a top five in my five whatsoever. I, I, I hear the influence every time he's on a track, just shouting in the background or something. I cringe like a motherfucker. And I think how good big could have been if he was like an independent artist, he should have went with fucking stone throw or something because, Oh, I, I think puffy ruined him, bro. Ruined him. And listening back to some of these tracks, hypnotized, mo money, mo problems, all about the Benjamins. Uh, these were, these, these were all the main singles too. It was all bad boy. I'll be missing you. Puffy fit when, you know, after he died, uh, can't nobody hold me down. Puffy and Mace. It was, it was every fucking single was fucking bad boy and Puffy. And it was cringeworthy yeah. at the time. And I, I can't stand listening to it now. It was, it was not, 
pleasant going back to that Spotify playlist. I was very disappointed. <laughs> and I kept saying, God, 97 kind of sucked, bro. I mean, looking at the albums, thankfully there were some of those albums that, that held me over, but <laughs> yeah, you could just see hip-hop being taken over by that kind of hip-hop and that kind of guy in particular. That sell-out mainstream stuff, man. Yes, yes. It was very sad, man. It was kind of a sad turning point for hip-hop, I think. It was. I mean, some good shit came out that year, though. For um, sure. Big Willie Style. I just went through style. some of the list. Yeah, Big Willie Style, number one. <laughs> um, oh, Eminem's so. Slim Shady EP dropped in 97, actually. And he won, that was after he won yep. uh, Scribble Jam. Did you have any of that listed there? Because he did the rap battles. And if you go, just YouTube, some of Eminem's early rap battles... They're fucking crazy, and you can tell they're, like, off the head, and he's just going off, and it's crazy. I think he said he used to just do acid so he could freestyle better, and it makes sense. Made me want to yeah, try one of the best. Yeah. One of the best to ever do it. But, yeah, he won Scribble Jam, or or he came in second or something. Is that when he came in second? 97, I think Scribble Jam was when he lost to Juice. But, um, but he came out with the EP, which has, like, what four or five of the songs that ended up being on the the LP when it came out? Slightly different style, not as not, not uh, the Dre touch yet. But uh, yeah, that dropped in '97 as well. That's all I got for '97. Oh, Biggie died. Uh, couple, yeah. A couple standouts for me in '97 would be uh, Jurassic Five. Oh, is that 97? Okay. okay. Yeah, their uh, their self-titled album, I believe, was 97. Um, that was Good like shit. a huge funk influence, and that, uh, that one kind of brought Real me back and dance. My dad really got into um, into uh, Jurassic 5. J5. Yeah, just because they were so funky, and that's the kind of music positive, that came right? from. Yeah. Look, Backpack. It, like a motherfucker, but worked so good. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, their their first EP, Jurassic Five EP, released in '97. Okay, um, okay. I love I love Jurassic Five. So when the sequels, yeah. Um, it was OC, the Jewels. Oh, I did have Jewels written down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jewels is classic as fuck. Digging in the yeah, creeps. I love Ooh, OC. Represent, um, bro. OC's great, dude. Yep, 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 yep. I wish he would got more popular because I liked him. Um, I mean, he had a few out. Al- what he had like a couple albums at least, two or three. Yeah, he and, did. And uh, he did appear on a lot of tracks. Yeah, digging in the crates. I think he used to do stuff with Organized Confusion too. Um, yeah, I don't know. He was just he was an amazing lyricist too. Yeah, I don't know why he just didn't get any mainstream hit. Either or blow up like that either. Yeah, he definitely had yeah going for sure. Uh, that, fun little fact: um, hieroglyphics trivia, kind of like you do your your Beastie Boys. Ooh, yeah, do it. Um, so in the early early two thousands, oh. they had signed OC and released an album for OC called Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and Mirrors. Okay, yeah, I think I have that oh. one somewhere. I didn't yeah, realize so he released that, that was hieroglyphics Imperium, album, baby. So. That's crazy, Oakland. dude. The connection, that's beautiful. Yeah, I went and saw um, a show at San Francisco, one of the dopest shows I've ever been to. It was at the Fillmore, my favorite uh, place to go see shows. And I saw OC open up for Hieroglyphics. 
Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it was sick. I can only imagine. Ah, oh. did you record it? We can put it on after. No, the show. I did not. Damn I did it. not record it. All right, I'm sorry, everybody. We were gonna play do that well, at the end of the show, but we forgot to record it. All right, the, that's all right. Uh, I think at this time there wasn't really good like phone recording. Nah, you, you wouldn't know what I mean. Nah, you had to take one of them little tiny uh, recorders, yeah. the little tiny tapes. You know what I'm talking about? I think we were still rocking flip phones at this time. Ninety-seven was definitely a flip phone era yeah. for sure. There was it, you were maybe texting at this point, but it was you know you had to hit one three times to do the letter D. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, I saw them in the early 2000s, but still, like I don't the oh, phones no. were just not there. We didn't use them like that. We didn't. Nobody pulled well, their yeah, fucking phone out back in those days. Nah, nah, nah. Was yeah. the thing people weren't addicted yet. Yeah, we we just used phones to get designated drives home from those shows. No, no, no. Call your bitch and shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucked up. Come pick bring me up. Me some, yeah, bring me some fucking six pack. Wild shit, man. Anything else for '97 specifically? No. Um. I mean, just looking through the Biggie, albums, I, it it is kind of scarred with a little bit of garbage that I'm like, ooh, maybe this is why I went towards underground hip-hop at this I'm point. I'm telling you, bro. It was, yes. You yes. see a lot of stuff like, yes. you see Juvenile. Makes sense. Yeah. Shitty, bro. A daddy ooh, cool in the Keith, family. Cool Keith did drop Sex Style, too. That was a good uh, trick daddy. Solo. Were you a trick daddy guy? <laughs> Not even close, bro. Ghetto yeah. Mafia. <laughs> Yeah, mm. so this is where I started to what about, go in a different uh, direction here. What about Warren G's Take a look over your shoulder? Was that any good? You hear that? You know, I never really got into Warren G solo, solo stuff much, shit. man. All right, me neither. I thought he was always a great feature, and he and he played well with a lot of like the the main G funk for sure, for um, sure guys on the West. For sure. But yeah. I never, I don't, I don't think he was really like a great solo artist. Kind of like Easy E, you know. Loved yeah, him in okay. NWA when he kind of split off. You're like, eh, I think I'm all right. I'm like Exhibit, bro. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding about Exhibit, but um, yeah, no, I know, I know exactly. There was a couple more examples. I'd have to think about it, but for sure, for sure. As much as um, I love Exhibit, I don't think you're very wrong. You know, <laughs> like no, I think I, he was he was better featured on people's like tracks than he was like uh, as like a solo artist. You that's know? true. Yeah. I listen to his solo albums, but they're not like classics. Although, you gotta give it up to Paparazzi, bro. And there was one other song on that album, whatever that album was, which I can't think of off the top of my head. You know what I'm talking about? Exhibits Paparazzi. Ooh. Can't think of it off the top of my head. Okay, alright. It's it's it you hear the beat, it's like, ooh, ooh, what the fuck? Exhibit killing it. If it's all worth my while, the exhibits say versatile with million dollar lifestyle. And now you feel another child going. I mean, it has like the photographers in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's dope. You, you would you probably heard it. And, uh, what else? Came out? Oh, they were already pushing the Tupac post releases, though. Are You Still Down came out. Wasn't that sort of a collection or something? Yeah. Are you still down? I, fit, I think after his death, it felt like they were re- released so many albums immediately. Yeah. They were just pushing them out like crazy. All right. All right. Uh, 98. I'm moving on to 98 then. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh. Um, 
though. Let's like kind of go through the albums here first. I'm just gonna look through here. Um, because I have Gangstar, Moment of Truth, as a big notable album. Uh, the Raucous Raucous Records was, was getting hotter, I guess, maybe around this time. Lyricist Lounge Volume One, which I'm sure not a lot of people had on any list, but uh, a lot of good shit on there. Um, and the one side was hosted by uh, Cool Keith, wasn't it? Daylight on the other side or something like yeah. that? Or KR or something? I forget, but yeah, I think uh, Cool Keith was doing some hosting duties. Um, too Short, Nationwide Independence Day. I never heard of this one. Is this any good? Is the question. Um, I don't think I... I think I started Maybe to not fall top off five. of like gangster rap here. Oh, so he was still gangster rapping it up? Oh, for sure. Dude, he never changed. Oh, oh okay. That's just who he's he is. Still, right. He's still I talking him, about being sure. a player, dude. <laughs> I, I respect it, bro. Yeah. Um, and I did write down Jurassic 5. I guess was this their full-length album that came out then in 98? Just the self-titled? Or was that the demo? Mm-hmm. Wait. The EP was 97, and it was oh, okay, also yeah, self-titled. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. You just said it. Um, underrated Onyx album Shut 'em Down came out in '98. I remember blasting that through much of '98. Um, and also underrated in my opinion because people said it didn't live up to his hype. But uh, cannabis, you on a cannabis train at all? I don't remember if I ever asked you about cannabis. No, never, he, he never was, got it. I like the name. I know the name, but I've never got into cannabis. He was a wild lyricist. He he came out hot right out of the gate. He came out spitting bars, trying to battle everybody because he's the one who went after LL. So they had their whole back and forth. He had a little bit of a name and he did a lot of features at the time. He was on, uh, I think he was on the Firm album. He was on one of the tracks, uh, the Nas's Firm album and Dr. Dre. Nas and Dr. Dre. It's pretty good. Album. But, um,. He came out with his album called Can I Bust? I think that was underrated. Everyone fucking dissed it at the time, and I don't know. I, I still dig it. I think it has a lot of good tracks. But he's very, 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 very lyrical. So unless you're really into just lyrical, you know, shit, you might not like it. But uh, uh, Lauren Hill's Miseducation, which ended up actually earning her 11 Grammy nominations, and she won five, which broke records at the time especially for a female in hip-hop um and i think miseducation is the first uh hip-hop album to get a grammy right best album of the year i'm to um album maybe you might be right you might be right you might be right because i thought there was a song earlier on eh, i don't have my notes from earlier 90 but i thought there was a song that had uh that that actually won a grammy but I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, but uh, definitely didn't have 11 Grammy noms. So respect to that. Uh, but she can never make a concert on time. So just throwing that warning out there to people so, who dude, are still upset awesome. about this. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh, I called my sister today because oh, uh, I think I was telling you she had bought tickets to see the Fugees last uh, two weekends ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So I called her today and asked her how it was. <laughs> Uh, she said Lauren Hill was three hours late and started the show. And they, my sister was super worried because she did like this remixed version of uh, what's her main jam on that? Everything. Everything is everything. Uh, doo-wop. 
or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yep, doo-wop. And um, so my sister at first was like super worried, but then I guess she kind of hit a stride in the show. And uh, this was at the forum in LA. And um, my sister started feeling it. She said it was going great. And then they did like a surprise for her where they fucking brought out Nas, dude. What? And they did their song together. Yes. And they did it together. And so my sister said she like lost her shit when that happened. And then they also brought out uh, Lil Wayne. Oh, shit. Okay. So So a couple couple artists that just surprised. So she played with the Fugees and then uh, Lil Wayne and Nas showed up to do some songs. Dang, okay. I was like, all right, because yeah. I've been reading a lot of stuff recently about her appearances and concerts, and she's been doing this since she hit it big with miseducation, apparently. Yeah. She's notably, people are like, she's more known for fucking being late or canceling shows than she is for the album anymore. Um, So I was like getting on this hate train. But that kind of that, that's some cool shit, man. If I was if I was there and saw fucking Nas come out and do if I ruled the world, I would bug right. my shit too, yo. That's that, yeah, yeah, because that was such a track. Oh my god. Okay. So uh, my sister said she's, I still kind of she's hate one on for two on <laughs> Lauren Hill shows. Okay, she's been to a bad one. <laughs> okay, well, all right. so she was super. She worried. lucked out. I think your sister <laughs> yeah, lucked yeah. the fuck out because that's she, not the she, common thing. Yeah. Most people so. have very negative experiences. Uh, you know, Nas shit. is the same way, bro. Is he? Don't yeah. tell me that, bro. Don't, uh, I don't, I don't you know, know, I don't know if it's like true for everybody, but I, I was like, uh, he canceled on like uh-huh. two shows that I bought tickets to see. Oh, and then, fuck Nas, bro. Fuck and then another Nas show. right here, right now. Lost Boys yeah, hate no. Nas. I, we're putting I, it dude, on. I love him. Nah, I love Nas. I love of him, course. Dude, but, it's Elmatic's so, top five, bro. He it was written as top five for me, to be honest. Yeah. And he, so he canceled on me twice. And then I saw an event. Um, it was called Rock the Bells. It had a whole bunch of artists. And he yeah, had a set yeah, yeah. there. And he was fucking three hours late for his set. But we didn't think yeah. he was going to come, you know, because he had missed his set. He ended up coming on stage with The Roots. Oh, God damn it. See, they, they try to win you over with that shit, man. Don't don't believe him. That's the, that's the like, guy buying roses ooh. for his girl after he fucks her exactly, over. Exactly, dude. Bro. You're Fuck. like, you know, kind of, we were like nodding our head to, to Nas, and we were kind of like, ooh, you're lucky we love you, bro. Yeah, we exactly. You're fucking lucky. <laughs> <laughs> damn, music, bro. It makes you do crazy shit, man. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, though. All right, all right. Man, yeah, you had education, all the show experiences. Dude. I can't wait till we do our show show. <laughs> I need to start writing some stuff down. Yeah, because you're getting some good memories here. Shit will pop up, I'm sure. Uh, over and over. All right, let me continue on here. Uh, Outcast Aquemini. Pete Rock's Soul Survivor. Uh, another Woo Jaunt, which I think is underrated too. I think people were hating on this. I don't know how you felt if you heard it, but Riz's Bobby Digital. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. Bobby Digi. Bobby Bobby Bobby. Digi Digi. It's okay. Digi. Yeah, it's all um right. I uh, respect but I, uh, I, I, Rizza I, 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 for his his experimentation. <laughs> okay. I, you know what? I kind of look at it in high regards because of that as well. He was definitely trying yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bob Bobby Digital might not have been my favorite woo character that that they've created. I, I was definitely more of a fan of his uh Gravedigger style for sure. 
Yeah, um, but it was something. It was a little yeah, like offbeat in some moments. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, like, it, was, it was crazy offbeat. It was yeah, yeah. very experimental. As you said, yep. Um, and then uh, one of my favorite albums of all time, Beastie Boys' "Hello Nasty" came out in '98, and that used to be our ecstasy jaw, bro. It was just the perfect album to listen to on Ecstasy. It probably still is today. I haven't done Ecstasy in 30, 42 years or so, but... Um, <laughs> that's the Ecstasy album, bro. And I think that's who they made it for. That was uh, kind of like the... What is that? Pink Floyd? Trying to get you fucked up listening to their music? Probably. Probably. I wouldn't doubt it, man. The boys are wild, bro. Yeah, one of my favorite albums came out in 97. Are we in 97, yeah? Uh, we're 98. We already left 97. Are we in 98? What you yeah, got well, okay, 97? 98. Sorry, no, what you got 97? Oh, okay. No, I already, I already clicked over to 98. My bad. Um, uh, Corruption from Corrupt Young Gotti, Ooh, one, of the, okay. one of the members of Dog Pound. Oh, tell me so, this album was the one I was telling you about. He was born in Philadelphia and then moved yep. to yeah, uh, L.A. Yeah. early okay. on. So Corruption is the album where it was a two-disc album, and he had an East Coast CD and a West Coast CD. Oh, so get he out of here, bro. Yeah. Okay. So he I gave, like he gave like love it. to both both coasts and then wow. kind of like molded the, his style to those coasts as well. That's what I was going to ask if he really changed it up. For yeah, one. he did. That's crazy. And, uh, right, I, I remember the cover, man. He he's like an old newspaper, and he's looking like a like a mobster, a gangster, you know, old old school gangster. But um, Sea Walk was my jam on that shit. Okay, I'm, I'm that's that's on the West Coast side, if you know what I'm saying. That's, that's fun. Check this shit out. Um, yeah, you know, I've definitely seen the album cover for sure. It's just one of those ones again. Yeah, you just I just never dug into. But mm-hmm. uh, that sounds that sounds awesome. I love that they were doing that and that he was pushing that in the wake of everything that was going on too. So yeah, it was a, that a, a new move. Yeah, especially because he was death rattling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, you you hear corrupt and you think uh, what dog pound or think uh, yep. West Coast in the war. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he was from both. He's, he's still doing born in Philly. He's still doing shit or no? What's corrupt? Up he is, to, dude. Is he? is he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Him and Daz both it. do stuff. Yeah, they've released albums within the past couple years. Oh, I love it. Okay, I love these artists. They're still doing shit. Okay. Any last last calls? Ninety eight, ninety eight. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. So, uh, Belly came out. I talked about that okay. last week. Belly That's came out. List. Nas and DMX hip hop movie, no doubt about it. Did good shit, bro. Yeah, check it out. All right, go ahead. All right, so um, I brought up earlier Hieroglyphics. Their debut album came out in 98, and it was called Third Eye Vision. Ooh, okay, okay. And this is definitely kind of along the lines of, like, experimental hip-hop in terms of, like, groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this album was, like, the game changer for me right here. And I was kind of stoked, dude. I listened to the previous... Uh, hip hop episode that we did together in that Stretch and Bobbito clip that you included talks about Souls of Mischief in it. Yes, I know. I did that. And I purpose. was like, oh shit. I was like, he fucking yeah. said Hyro, dude. Like, so, <laughs> as soon as I heard that, yeah, I, I made sure to piece that in there for me, bro. 
Yeah, dude, loved it. So, um, hieroglyphics. This was like a, a day and age where hip hop changed, and it changed for a different reason. And it was because of the internet, dude. And a lot of the underground artists, they use the internet in a way that these old school hip hop artists were not using it. And they knew how to pump their shows, and they knew how to pump like their albums and where to get them and stuff like that. So, a lot of their marketing was done online or through like stuff like merch and stickers. So it was almost like a cult following. And the hieroglyphic symbol—I'm sure I don't know if you've seen it before—but it's like three eyes with a straight the three mouth. eyes smile. Yeah, they're not smiley face, but yeah, I know. What yeah. You're yeah, yeah. So it's actually like a Mayan. Uh, it's, I think it's like a Mayan or Aztec hieroglyphic, but it means eight, the number eight, because there was eight members in hieroglyphics. Oh, that's my but, favorite number, bro. You get me horny for hieroglyphics. Like, I get this dude, album, bro. Eight is my, like, <laughs> I, I use all eights, bro. Yo, that's my shit, too. All right. Ooh, I'm giving you a pound through the microphone. Yeah. My, my hockey number is 88. That's uh, what's up. Um, so they released their album Third Eye Vision and this was like game changing for me because so they had uh, the group songs and in between each member of Hieroglyphics so all all eight of these dudes had a solo song on the album and it was really dope because it was like almost like they were showcasing each other but also doing something collectively together that's brilliant bro that's brilliant so like in their the songs that they do um, solo they're self-titled as their name so you know, oh, they got okay. a Pep Love song, a Casual song, a Dell song. So it's pretty, it's super fucking dope, dude. That is dope. But, um, <laughs> that symbol was like one of the first like hip hop symbols to go viral, dude. And it was like, I don't know how it was. I don't know if the East Coast was the same, but like on the West, if you saw somebody with like a Hyro sticker on their skateboard or you, they were wearing a Hyro shirt, you know, you like yelled out and you were like, Hyro. And it was like, dude, you were like in the same gang together. But it wasn't about fucking shooting people. You know what right. I mean? No, we were solidarity, like, oh, bro. Hip-hop. Yeah, exactly. Like hip hop. I love heads. that, like, what's bro. Up? Damn, so you'd bro. be like, high row. be like, third this? eye vision. Yeah. It was probably so, a lot bigger West Coast ways. But oh, this, probably, is, this sounds like the movement, bro, to be a part of. That's so awesome. And I was doing a little research today because uh, I used to read the Walking Dead comics. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the first like few issues of The Walking Dead... You know Glenn, the character, the Asian kid? Sure, yeah, of course. In the first couple of episodes or issues of the original Walking Dead comic, he's wearing a Hyro shirt, dude. Oh, that's so but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't find any information of why they put him in a Hyro shirt. I was like scouring the internet today, but um, I just kind of wanted to bring them up because I felt like they were the first group to really understand like uh the reach that the internet had for for like independent artists editor time bro yeah it's brilliant well i will tell you though the wu-tang forever cd you could put in your windows 6.1 uh computer and uh go through the wu mansion do you know this or not. What? That's so dope. Or something like that. No, it was horrible, bro. It really was bad. It was badly executed. I think it was forever. I might even be thinking of a wrong CD. Maybe it was one of the solo albums, but one of the Wu things was a big hype thing. Um, because 
as far as Wu goes, I was following this, like, uh, I got to give props out there. If you're out there somewhere, this guy named John Book, this Hawaiian guy who just used to do Wu-Tang newsletter called You to Wu. It was kind of nerdy, but it was just nothing Wu news and Wu fans just talking back and forth. And this guy had, like, this beautifully brilliant newspaper written style and kept everybody engaged and stuff. But, um, so there was, so there was a talk on there in one of the albums. Yeah. It was like first time you could view your music through windows, but it was so hacky and horrible though. So bad technology. Technology wasn't there. I don't know. But, uh, I just thought that was funny as far as something connected to the computers as far as hip hop. They I would, try, I would they definitely consider Wu like on the forefront of things. You know, they they were a lot clever of things, too, for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, there's a lot in common with like Wu and in hieroglyphics. If you like listen to them and how they like handled the solo parts of them, and then no, also the group, like the collective. Yeah. yeah, no, like it sounds like the hieroglyphic thing you just explained to me is a brilliant way to tackle that whole solo album type thing. You know what I mean? Hmm. Or at least build hype everybody up for those artists so that they do do their solo albums and it's a whole fucking thing. Like, ah, I'm so, like, upset at myself for not getting that deep into hieroglyphics. Um, and really, I'm going to do it, but, you know, I feel like I missed the wave a little bit. Just, which is sad. You're, you're selling I mean, you, bigger. You're, you're, uh, there's so many artists that you tell me to. I mean, dude, my list is fucking growing over here too. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, damn, I miss out on yeah, that. Like, I didn't listen to this or watch <laughs> that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of shit. I guess both. It's a tough world, man, to follow everything. I guess that's why we're doing it, right? To share it really our, our different experiences. I, I love it. I love it. Yes, indeed. Um. All right. All right I got nothing else. You want to go to '99? The last yeah. year of the '90s. It's quite literally 1999. Um, and I had the year of uh, Eminem. I think. Yeah, this is Eminem for sure. Because that was early 99. Slim Shady LP came out. And that brought quite a different type of thing to uh, hip hop. First off, who's he hook up with? Fucking Dr. Dre guy's been mm-hmm. everywhere he's gone through look at the crazy trials we've talked to we've talked about dre throughout the 80s and the 90s shows this is this is the, this is the guy from Big disco staple. to eminem yeah, yes and those clothes <laughs> good good lord but um so yeah he, he helped propel eminem what was the exact do you know the story of the exact way he found eminem like it was a demo tape or something. It was a demo tape. He had heard a demo tape. I don't know where he had heard it or where he got the demo tape from, but I remember listening to Dr. Dre say he just happened to hear Eminem on a tape and was like, "Yo, who the fuck is that?" Like, I need to get in contact with him. Can you imagine? Ooh, crazy. Just coming across it. I think it might have had some of those. It might have been some of those like Scribble Jam tapes too, or something along those lines. There might be some connection. I don't know. Um, but that certainly changed um, hip hop, and uh, yeah, I don't. I, that definitely took everything in a crazy new direction. Um, so definitely, Slim Shady LP is something to note. 
Um, as far as albums, also out in 99. A couple other notable ones. Uh, too short. Can't stay away. Was this? How, where is this? You're, you're done with Too Short at this point? Did you even absorb this oh, one? Oh, dude. I'm all in underground hip hop at this so point two, in my life. Can't stay away. You can't yeah. stay away. Okay, sorry, too short. Maybe I was next in the year. basement, dude. Damn. All right. All right. Uh, Method Man, Red Man, Blackout. Came that's out in, that's in my album. highlight of that year. That was a fucking dope album. The collab, the vibe of the album, the the black plastic, smoky. the black plastic. What do you mean? The dude. album cover. The album cover, like when you bought it, it was like a, it was like a jet gray, oh, like different. really dark plastic color. You know oh, how it always remember, used to be like bro. clear on the front. I was real high in '99, a lot. So yeah, it, it's one of my favorite like physical albums that ever came out. Damn, I gotta see if I can still have the fucking album somewhere, the record, or the CD. I'm talking about the CD, right? You talking about the record? Yeah, the CD. Yeah, okay, so it was like a sure. smoky. It was like I a smoky it gray plastic. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't remember. Um, it was blacked out. If you, if you shall. <laughs> I was. Yeah, the album was hot. Though. For sure. For sure. For murder, sure. murder, murder. Kill, kill, kill. <laughs> I fucking love that song. Take nuts and bolts out. Ferris wheels. Rock Wilder production, maybe. On a lot of that, I think. I don't know, but it was good shit. Uh, cool Keith, Black Elvis came out. You check this album out at all? You know anything about no, not Black Elvis. I'm just a Cool Keith fan, but uh, this actually did get him back into the uh, headlines a little bit. I mean, I think he had a couple videos on MTV for this album. I wouldn't say it's like poppy by any means because the dude's so crazy and fucking weird, but. Um, it was a fun. It was a fun album, especially for fans of Ultramatic, Cool Keith, all that stuff. Um, Handsome Boy came out this year, ninety nine. Damn, fucking wild. Um. Oh, Feral Monch, Internal Affairs came out as well. And then the other two very pivotal albums. MF Doom, Operation Doomsday, which I didn't even get into until a few years later. So, again, another thing I slept on, but I'm glad that I caught up on that train. Because that's uh, such a classic album. It's top five, I would say, at this point. Operation Doomsday. And Dr. Dre, 2001. Kind of brought him back to the forefront and put the West back on the map again. Would you say that after? Uh, oh my everyone God, that else was a huge album, over? dude. Oh, the great album. Yeah, with with Eminem's rise, next fame episode. And oh my there. goodness, oh, I dude. Tracks, bro. But the explosive with good. the dog pound. Oh, <clears throat> classic. And that was so hyped too. Like everyone. Yeah, was so that was that was a big, big album on the West Coast. Oh, all over, man! I loved it. I think, yeah, I think you it just did heard ha- it coming out of all the appeal. cars. Again, music fans, because he was hitting his stride then, and it was just that ah, was a beautiful thing. I mean, a lot of strides, I mean, I Eminem had a lot of 
lot to do with it, dude. Like Eminem was so hot that year that like the fact that he was on that album too. I mean, people just gobbled that shit up. Well, he uh, at least for those tracks. I mean, and it's absolutely obvious as fuck that he. Uh, I mean, he ghost wrote all Dre's shit. He did. Um, but I think people it's, thought it was Jay Z. Oh, really? The yeah, fuck? and. Uh, I think it was Eminem, Eminem like oh, wrote a lot of it. Yeah, I know Jay Z did some, but uh, oh, Eminem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. like it anymore. <laughs> Were you here though with Drake? I wasn't happy when I learned that either, bro. <laughs> nah, I'll cope. I'll cope. I guess. Yeah. Hey, he's a good writer. I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's alright. Um. Well, they don't they say he doesn't even write. Did you ever hear that bullshit? Which um, maybe is like, true. I don't fucking know. He's a thief. I've heard that. Like, nah, a, a, well, a that lyric could thief. absolutely be. But um, nah, they they say that he doesn't. He never writes anything on paper. He just uh, he, he knows the jam. I don't know. As a fucking writer, I find it hard to believe. That's all. That he just has everything in the mind. Maybe he got photographic memory though. I, you know, there's people out there who have that. Chick from uh, old show Taxi had that. It's crazy. Um. But yeah, great fucking album, man. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. Um, wait, what was I thinking? Who else? Oh, I was gonna say though, when Dre's on like Snoop tracks too, you can kind of hear that, like how uh, how Snoop probably wrote some of that shit for Dre, or most of mm-hmm. it or all of it. I don't know. Yeah, Drew Dre was a producer, man. Yeah, he was, he was a producer behind the tables for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you, though. First Eminem song that you heard. Or that you remember hearing him being like, whoa, what the fuck is this kid all about? First, man, it, I, I think it's off of The Chronic. Uh, 2001. Oh, get the fuck out of here. You think that's the first time you heard him? I'm, I'm almost positive, yeah. Okay, okay. I also listened to his solo album that year as well. Um, and I have a funny story and it was actually one of the only notes I put for 99. Okay. Um, was that, uh, Eminem was the first CD that I mass ripped on Napster, which dropped in 99. <laughs> this oh, was my note. Okay. Napster. Was Napster, Napster 99? Forever. Oh, that changed everything dude. too. You're, it, it changed you're everything. Right. Well, the year so, before, Hieroglyph, yeah, the internet was just, oh, that's wild. Okay, okay. So Napster comes out the same year that Eminem drops his album, and The Chronic 2001 comes out, and I burned so many copies of <laughs> Eminem's album because it was the hottest shit at school, and I sold them for five bucks a pop, dude. And I just raked in cash like off of Napster and that Eminem album like crazy. And I, I listened to that album like the the I listened to the fuck out of that album. Oh for it sure. was definitely but yeah I mean Napster was short lived. It was only like two years, but uh yeah, dude. That felt um, longer too. Holy shit. It, yeah. Well I mean obviously I, I ended up using other things um after that because I forget the name of the program I used after that, but it was different. But a whole bunch of a whole Lime slew of um, file file sharing services uh, yeah, became available were... after ninety nine. Yeah, what was like news groups? You ever try that shit? Mm hmm. Like okay. the beginning of like the, before forums, predates forums. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah, could do yeah. these weird codes and shit to get all these albums. Yep. 
Uh, but yeah, Napster was the was definitely the game changer right there. Yeah, I was looking. Napster uh, shut That's down in t- 2002, so it was only three years That's before crazy. they got shut down. That's crazy to think too, because uh, yeah, I still have like CDs listed like Napster one. It's random shit on it. WinMX was the one I used. Oh, okay. That sounds familiar as fuck. I'm sure I'm going through the litany of them, too. I totally forgot the name of it, but as soon as I saw WinMX, I I know for a fact that was what I went to after that. WinMX, okay. Yeah, because it was was Napster, and then I just remember LimeWire after that. I'm trying to think of what... Because Turret and shit I use now, but I'm trying to think of what the bridge... Between LimeWire and that was because I know LimeWire wasn't really there for that long either. It didn't feel like. Yeah, so WinMX went from yeah. 2000 to 2005. WinMX. And looking at Let some of these screenshots is like, <laughs> fucking, I'm, this is giving me so many memories. It had like a dark theme. And I remember feeling like a hacker because it was like, you know, because d- dark too. theme wasn't like popular back then on computers. Yeah, this was a a crazy time because you could just get anything you wanted to. You know what I mean? You just go online and you just looked up hip hop. You didn't have to go to the record store anymore. I mean, obviously, this was a detriment to the music industry. But uh, what music is should be shared. It looks like they still made it. It looks like they made it. Yeah, exactly. It just got uh, Eminem's doing fine. People rich. (laughs) Yeah. And some people. Yeah. Even more rich. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you don't think he's gonna come after you for dubbing all his uh albums? yeah if he listens to this he's like that motherfucker i'm getting all that candy money back dude oh man um and then i've done deep dives into fucking eminem's whole shit like every track he ever did is he your goat uh nah lyrically he's on another level i don't know you know who would be my goat Greatest of all time ever. I don't think I could put it to a. Per- I don't think I can either. See, it depends on the mood, though. That, <laughs> That's fucked up, bro. I hate you I right now. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. He's top five. There's no doubt. Yeah. He's top five, bro. But it would have to be as far as like on on what level, man. You know what I'm saying, like. Yeah, on a, on an emotional level, how it impacted me, how I think it impacted hip hop, or like if it's just yeah, my greatest, like great as far as what, like making me happy or uh, making me laugh, or just being a, I don't know, that's a that's a tough one, bro. Stop making me think. Plus, I've been hitting the fucking vape pen, bro. This is a bad bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's it, bro. Now, what else do you got? Oh, one other thing. Um, uh, album I see here on ninety nine. Uh, this is my favorite solo Woo album. Is Inspector Dex, um, Uncontrolled Substance. Oh, Uncontrolled Substance. Okay. Yeah. I, why didn't I have that listed? All right. Too hot to handle. Too cold to hold. I fucking love this album. Bumping that substance that's uncontrolled. Did you get into uh, Inspector Deck's uh, solo stuff? To be honest, I'm trying to recall it. No, I think I started falling off Woo at that time, and I think it was okay. a production thing, or else it was just life things. Um, 
Maybe it was the Eminem thing. He came in and changed the way I started looking at hip-hop then. Everything else just seemed so old school. I don't know. I don't know, but no, I honestly never really got too much into the Inspected Deck albums. Yeah, he was just my my personal favorite of Wu. I will tell you that Inspected Deck joint with the Gangstar is is a top five song. Above the Clouds? Above the Clouds. Yeah, and then like I still I still follow him into uh, the Zarface stuff in uh, current day and age. That's true, and I gotta revisit all those. I've heard, I've listened through them, and it has that doom. Like the comic book thing is just so perfect how it's played out, and it just it just fills so many of my check marks or boxes. It check marks my boxes. It gets yeah, that's why box. I stuck with him because I felt like he always. He kept it in a place that I, I, you know, I loved that phase of hip hop and uh, he just did it well for a lot longer than most people did. Yeah. Inspector. But yeah. Yeah. Inspector. One of my He's favorite members. There's no doubt about it. All right. Um, was there anything else? Oh, you know what? There's one thing. One thing I wrote down that I skipped over. Sure. Um, so didn't release a whole bunch of stuff like officially, but I wanted to talk about Virginia rap, Virginia hip hop, Virginia um, rap. What are we talking yes. about here? All right. So, uh, we're talking about Pharrell Williams in particular. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So Pharrell um, met this guy named, uh, Hugo. Um, Boss? and yeah, what's Yeah. So they created the Neptunes. Ah, um, uh, okay. Yes. So the Neptunes, I didn't realize they got together in 92. Um, and do you know the song from Rex and Effects called Rump Shaker? I, I know you do. Yeah, of course. So that's Pharrell's first beat, dude. Get the fuck out of here. I, I did not zoom, know that. Zoom, zoom, and you boom, boom. That's, a that's crazy. Beat. Okay. Isn't that fucking wild? That is wild. Dude, when I found that out today, I was like, no way, because that's such a popular song, and it doesn't sound anything like Pharrell, that I would just, I, I would never have put that together on my own. But, um, so he kind of found uh, clips in the mid-90s, so uh, Pusha T and his brother Malice. Okay. And um, they they actually released an album or they released a single in 96 and uh, it was under Electra Records. But the single uh, called The Funeral failed, was considered like a failure. And um, they ended up shelving their album, Clips's album, Exclusive Audio Footage was the name of it. Okay. And it never got released and the Electra Records dropped them. And then um, Pusha T's brother went and served in the military for a few years. And then when he came back, uh, it was when Pharrell and the Neptunes started to work with them and they ended up releasing, um, their big album in, in 2002. That's crazy. Clips Lord Willen, I guess. I think it was 2002, but yeah, I didn't know that Pharrell had been around that early and I just kind of, Stumbled across this on on some of my research because I love for I'm huge Pharrell fan, dude. Throw me some Pharrell tracks in. Yeah, I'm not actually just like in music. I like him as a person. I've like read a lot about him, 
and um, I have like some of his books and shit. And because he's like big in the uh, streetwear scene too, so like hip hop fashion, I guess. He owns right. a brand called Ice Cream or BBC Billionaire Boys Club. And uh, he's just been like a, a big, uh, he's like one of the guys I would consider like a mogul in, in hip hop because he, he makes seems money. Like a, just a, a real lot good of dude. Yeah. One of the things I saw recently, because I don't know much about Pharrell, to be honest, but um, he was, or, or Nardwar got him on a uh, interview. And it was one of my favorites because I went through this little Nardwar binge um, for a couple weeks where I just kept watching nonstop like Nardwar video. And um, yeah, Pharrell's Nardwar interview, I was like, oh man, yeah, you could just see the dude was so grateful to talk to him. And I don't know, he just had a big heart, you could tell. And he just seems like a really good dude, man. Yeah, because like Pharrell was like, dude, this is one of the best interviews I've ever yeah, been a part of in my that. life. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, well, that's it, man. I don't know, unless you got something else to throw in there. Out of uh, I got one question for you. Yes. Out of all the research that we did for all the way up to 2000, what was like the most surprising fact that you found out as a hip hop art or fan, as a as a lover of the genre? Hmm. that's a good question. Some of the Tupac shit we uncovered was very interesting. Um, and I do kind of I think lean back maybe some of the 80s shit we broke or not broke but broke for us mm-hmm. uh specifically i don't know i'm not I, it's too hard for me to pinpoint because this has definitely been eye-opening yeah it has kind of around too i know i'm bit. trying to <laughs> i'm trying to pick just yeah. something uh i don't know what bugged you out um, one thing that bugged me out and like caught my attention and surprised me was being from Northern California. I guess I took my area for granted and I kind of thought the Bay Area music scene was more local than it actually was. And I didn't know that all these people had ties to the Bay Area, like Master P, Tupac. Um, Tupac. Really? You know, the fact that uh, Too Short started in the early 80s, um, yeah. it was just, to me, it was kind of, I always thought of it as local music and never really knew if people on the East Coast had, like, seen these, uh, I guess, influences. But um, as I dug deeper, I was kind of like, holy shit, dude, like, I would consider Bay Area one of, like, the meccas of hip-hop, like, in in our country, surprisingly you know what I mean? enough, I know. Every time you say that someone else was coming from there, it's like, whoa, that's crazy, bro. I mean, you know, uh, MC Hammer, <laughs> like, was Bay Area. <laughs> you know, uh, that the group you brought up earlier, I got five on it. That's Bay Area. Oh, um, Digital Underground, yeah, the Loonies. Um, Digital Underground, Bay Area, and I'm. I was just like, as as I stumbled across all this, I was like. Holy shit, dude. Like, Oakland's got some fucking, you know, they have some records, man. Yeah, they doing their thing, man. It's a good scene, I guess. All right, my man. I think that about does it for uh, the 90s, for a, an era in hip-hop. Um, it was wild times. An era and you and I will never forget. 
that, that's for sure. So much happened for us in those times, too. And we were just uh, being molded at those times, I think, by the world around us. And uh, hip-hop definitely had a big part of that. Um, so hip-hop, I love her. I, lo- I love her, as they say. I think that was the most deaf or common song. I love her talking about hip-hop as uh, an entity. I think Person. it was most deaf. Was it most deaf? It was I one of the two. I think I'm you're like, right. I'm like positive it was one of the two. Because that was definitely that uh, error. But all right. So thank you, hip hop. Um, but this is the end of our yearly breakdowns. And we're going to be going into more specific shows. And since we just finished things up with uh, Eminem starting to emerge in hip hop, a new conversation was forming. Now, was this guy getting the uh, popular, uh, the. the MTV plays and becoming more popular because of his white status. Maybe this is something we'll have to address next week as we talk about whites in hip hop. So make sure you stay tuned and we'll dive deep and see how far it goes back. There's three, there's three Jewish fellows that have that, uh, been doing it for quite a while. Just going to throw that out there. Who? Well, I won't tell you. We'll tell you next week who that is. Um, but yeah, make sure you stay tuned for that. Trivia. <laughs> right? Send, come to the Discord and uh, send your answers and uh, for a chance to potentially win uh, a prize. Maybe. Um, but no, nah, that, that about does it, my man. Thank you for going on this journey in the origins of hip-hop as we went from the 60s to the End of the nineties. It was fun, man. What I, a ride, I had a lot dude. of fun. It was fucking wild, man. A lot happened. Quite the culture, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I thought I knew a lot about hip hop. I learned nope. way more than I anticipated I would. I don't know sure. shit, bro. I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. All right. I'm, I feel I feel still like we're on the surface too. What are we talking about? There's too much. Alright, we're stopping the show. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but no thanks for tuning in uh freestyle outro i'm just gonna say i never freestyled any of these freestyle outros by the way i know that and you i'm not ever gonna time, do though. it yeah of course yeah because <laughs> i think i'm about to and then i don't have the courage and i'm like mm, nah i'm not doing it so thanks for tuning in we will catch you next week make sure you check us out uh lostboyssociety.org Check out Lost Boys. Download it wherever you download podcasts because you can check out our main show, our hip-hop show, and all our other shows. Coming soon. That's all I got. I don't know. Peace out, brother. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Peace. To me, hip-hop is pretty much all I got From 93 till infinity's my time frame to rock The game has changed a lot From b-boys popping, locking in socks To glocks, to rocks, to the mollies you pop My top influence was my older brother He DJ'd a lot Cut up the wax, spun it, then rung it back Then I dropped the verse And although that shit was whack Never gave up on my craft Now I'm running these tracks Hot, at last getting props Got a massive stock of lyrics and facts I'm still in mom's basement stacked in a box I'll never stop, cause I can't, won't My plan's 
to jam till I croak and smoke pot. So don't provoke OST. He was born when Tony first got a hip to the hop and made it my mission to drop some top notch flows. So let's go. Reppin' our favorite music genre. It's gold stock and manifesto. It's hard to validate a culture in valid ways when Slim and Soldier Boy get the same amount of praise. But my love is a drug, so I think I'll take a crack at it. Free bass, drum, and snare win. I'm a clap addict, past status, mad static, and expression itself. Am I reppin' hip hop or just reppin' myself? Reppin' myself. Reppin myself. This is for the ones with the fast takeout Doing take after take until they break out to the patio And have a cigarette, nod their heads to this beat And come back with sick of text The ones with the dope rap stuffed in the notepad They imagine to be a Banksy piece Yeah, they make believe, but they ain't gon' cease And they ain't gon' be able to gain no sleep Till they obtain the thing that they aim to be Famously, Famously a great MC, a great MC. Vibe to the beat, couple words hit me, improvise speech, puzzle piece, noun verb fitting, street nerd who's mastered an art, analyzing every word ever observed, play the professor's part, have the heart, drive is kind of the shit I'm missing, rapping for the love but not financially benefiting, yeah I'm getting bills, working hard, grinding, still rhyming, fantasizing of having this fucking dream fulfilled, spill my soul in every verse and every instrumental, serving up the perfect portion sizes not to overfill you, leave them wanting more, have the confidence to soar but land for your fans, I'm Planning not to be self-absorbed. This is life. Every part of it will surprise you. Find a passion to inhabit your soul with a goal to rise to. Have it notarized to a friend or two to witness. But some of us, this is way more than a fucking business.